Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Just lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, on the eve of Emerge, I thank you that tonight things are going to shift. Why thank you that tonight things over my life, over my family, over my city, over my community are about to shift and line up with heaven. I declare tonight the devil, his hold, his chains are breaking, are loosing. Freedom is my portion. Victory is my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord a great praise. Hallelujah. Go ahead, give two or three people a high five. Prophesy, tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. You can grab your seat. It is an honor to be preaching here tonight. Man, we walked into a revival. How many men are excited about what's about to take place? Amen. Well, uh, it's, always, it's, it's always wonderful having our Salt Lake City champions, champions in the house. Can we put our hands together for our Salt Lake City powerhouses? Led by the fearless pastor Matt and Loren Tuggle, who are, they are just two of the, the finest humans. It's an honor. And uh, I just, as soon as I walked in, I'm like, man, there's something happening here. And uh, then Samuel said his handsome brother is here. And it's an honor to have you here, sir. And we got all the way from England, the beautiful Burchells, who are dear friends of ours. So can we just honor Pastor Mark and Caleb and Lee and Adam? Great to have you guys here. Beautiful people. Uh, I hope it's okay. I've been kind of, um, in fact, this afternoon, I was trying to, to separate tonight's message from tomorrow night's message. So I, I always try to just do the first night message at, at uh, Emerge every year where I just kind of set the thermostat, set the, on, on where I, I, I feel prophetically. And I had a really hard time trying to separate tomorrow nights from tonight's, but I kind of feel like I got there. But the problem is I've got to use two stories. I've got to blend two stories to get these three points to you. So I hope you'll, you'll be okay with that. So come with me. The first story is 2 Kings chapter 6. Sorry, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. says, Then Elijah says to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord your, your soul lives, uh, I will not, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. 
So it was that when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water. And he said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elijah crossed over. Now the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now go really quickly to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're just going to read uh, three verses there. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And, uh, and then we'll jump into this. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. It says, And after him was Shema, the son of Agi the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he, Shema, he stationed himself in the middle of that field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. The Lord brought about a great victory. I wanted to share those two stories, and we're going to read another passage of Scripture shortly, but I wanted to share those two stories because they're they're both stories uh, on the verge of Emerge Men's Conference that I believe that God is wanting to, to speak something to us. The, the, first, the first thought that I want to introduce, and this is not just for the men, it, it's for everybody, but specifically if you're a man, receive this. But ladies, you can also take this. The, the first thought is this, that your questions actually determine your future. I would even say that the, the questions that you're asking determine the destiny in which you're heading. It's the questions. It's the questions. Human beings were nomadic. We were no, nomads. We, 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 we asked the question when human beings were nomadic is, where is water? Where is water? And when the answer came back, there's, there's the Nile River here, or there's the Euphrates River here, or there's the Jordan River here, or there's the Sea of Galilee, there, we, 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 built, we built our villages around water. We built villages around water. But when the question changed, when the question changed from where is water to, huh, how can I get the water that's there here, we began to see cities built. One of the great wonders of the world was Babylon that doesn't have great water, but they were able to, they were one of the first to create viaducts and aqueducts and, and transport water. And they created an oasis in a wilderness and it became one of the most flourishing, one of the most flourishing cities and empires of its time because the question changed. Elisha 
is with Elijah. And Elijah says to him, ask me for something. Go ahead, ask. And he says, you know, I want a double portion of what's resting on you. And he's like, whoa, man, I've done a better job at the discipleship than what I realized. I've done a better job at preaching some awakened theology than I realized. Because you, you're not asking for a sliver of what I carry. You're not, settled, you're not just happy with 10% of what I carry or 20% or 50%. It's, it's, ama it's amazing how often we get persecuted, how the devil does not want us preaching that God wants you to flourish, that God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be the head and not the tail. He's, a, he's an excellent God. His name is an excellent name. Our Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He doesn't want people to rise up out of mediocrity. He wants you, you, you to believe that you're meant to be a past Christian. I learned that from my friend Dario De Luca and his brother Robert Colucci, a pus Christian, poor, ugly, sick, and stupid. Can I just tell you, that's not the Bible. You're preaching from the wrong Bible if you believe that. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be flourishing. He wants you to be advancing. He wants you to be increasing. He wants you to be enlarging your territory. He wants you blessed to be a blessing. But, but I, love, I love Elisha because when he gets the anointing, when he gets the mantle, the mantle is actually released through a question. He asks the question, where is the God of Elijah? The mantle falls down and he asks the question, where is the God that was with Elijah? And when he smote, when he struck the Jordan, it parted and he walked across on dry ground and the 50 sons of the prophets saw that now God was with Elisha. God answered him in the miracle, but the miracle was unlocked in the question. So the title of my message tonight is, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah? Can I just tell you, the God of Elijah is seated on a throne. The, the God of Elijah is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The God of Elijah has never been defeated in battle. The God of Elijah is the God of breakthrough. He's the God of deliverance. He's the God of healing. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of transformation. He's the God that breaks chains. He's the God that can go into Egypt and 400 years of bondage, 400 years of slavery. He's a God that with His power and His might can deliver over two million people out of bondage and slavery, lead them through a wilderness and bring them into a promised land. He's a God that delivers from drug addiction, alcohol addiction, porn addiction, anger addiction, whatever it is you're struggling with. He is the God of deliverance. He is the God of transformation. He's the God of breakthrough. He's the God who so loved the world. He gave His only he gave his, he didn't have another one. He didn't have a spare. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He's the God that turns up. He's the God that shows up. And when he shows up, he can't help himself, he shows off. This weekend, the God of Elijah is gonna show up. Where is the God of Elijah? Can I just say this? That I honestly believe that, that Elisha wasn't the only one asking questions. But if you want to see God turn up, you've got to get into, you've got to get into a disciple under an apostolic prophetic kind of environment so that your questions change. 
Can I just tell you, man, I can guarantee you this, your questions are going to change this weekend. Instead of your question being, I don't know if I can handle another year of being married to her. Instead of your question being, I wonder what it'd be like to be married to. Instead of your question being, man, I wonder how long I can hide this addiction before somebody. Instead of your, your question being saying, I wonder if I can kind of, you know, skim from the books and nobody finds out. Your, your questions are going to change this weekend. Your questions are going to change. Because there's a God that responds to, to questions, but it's the questions you're asking. Henry Ford in 1904 did a survey where he asked the people, he says, I'm Henry Ford, this is who I am. He says, tell me your transportation needs, your transportation details. What are you looking for? How can I serve you? And the number one answer came back, we want faster horses. He wasn't, he wasn't thinking faster horses. People were on the cusp of the motor car, but they couldn't see beyond their past. They couldn't see beyond if we just had faster horses. That's, that's all. Can I just tell you, God is about to change the question. He's about to change the question. If you said to me, how have things shifted in your life? He began to change the question. I, I left going to Bible college saying, man, my God, can I make it? How can I make it? How can I ever own a home? I remember in the early years of arguing and fighting with Leanne, I'm like, my God, how can I get through? How can this woman be so insubordinate? How can she be? And then God had to say, Yerkes, you know she's a product of your husbandry. That was a freaking game changer moment. Oh, dear God. I'm like, hang on, hang on. What, what are you saying? He's like, she's a product of your husbandry. Oh, so I'm the bad guy? And God's like, finally. The next time I looked at Leanne, I realized I've got to take a leaf out of the prophet Michael Jackson's book and start with the man in the mirror. And then I realized, oh my gosh. And then I remember the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance that my father-in-law told me when I was dating Leanne that she was born smiling, that she was a happy, happy girl, that she used to entertain them when they went on family vacations. And then I'm looking at her and the smile's gone because she's married to this idiot. And the Holy Spirit says, what have you done? When the, when the, when the question changed of God, how can I love her? How can I? A young punk comes to his dad and says, give me my inheritance. His dad's like, I'm still alive. A little bit awkward, I'm still here. And he's like, yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, you're dead to me. You, your values. And the father being so benevolent, divides the estate and gives it to his young son who goes to Vegas and rents the top penthouse and he's got all his friends and all his, while he's partying and he's paying for everything, they're all with him. But the Bible says when the money ran out, his friends ran out. The Bible says, and there was a famine in that land and nobody gave him anything. Then he joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed swine. It's a Jewish boy. Jesus is being provocative. 
the, the, the swine is an unclean animal. And here is Jesus telling this story and people are like, my God, the loaves that he's, he's feeding what is unclean. It's amazing how many people they run from God and they end up in a place where all their money is feeding an unclean habit, an unclean addiction, prostitutes, drugs, alcohol. They're on the streets, spittle in their beard, talking to nobody at traffic lights. And then the Bible says that he has a moment where he comes to himself. And he comes to himself and he asks a question. He says, how many? How many in my father's house have bread enough and to spare? Here I am perishing with hunger. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And when I get to my father's house, I'm going to say to my father, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Would you, I know you gave me my half of the estate, but would you make me like one of your hired servants? Everything changed when his question changed. His question in the beginning was, would you give me? Would you give me? And now it's, would you make me? Well, one of the most frustrating things, and you know, Dr. Matt and I scratch our heads, is we have easily, easily in our church the most beautiful women on the planet. If I was a single pup, this would be the church I'd be coming to. Our girls are, are beautiful. And then we have all these guys who are still single and I'm like and I met with one I met with one and he goes yeah yeah pastor pastor here's here's my list and he had a list of you know what he wanted in a woman and I'm like, oh, do you mind if I have a look at that he's like yeah have a look and I'm going going through it and I mean dear God and he's like, yeah, you know, Dr. Cho, Dr. Youngie Cho says that you got to be specific, you know, like the fourth dimension, like you got to, you know, you got to be specific with what you're asking. So I've written it all down. And I'm like, D- I don't even sure if that woman, ex- I mean, even God is taking notes going, I should have done that with Eve. I should have, man, Gabriel, we should have, if we could go back, if I could turn back time, you know. Anyway, now let me just say this. He has no problem with faith. He has no problem with Dr. Yongi Cho, fourth dimension, be specific in what you, yeah, that's, that's not his problem. He's still single. He's still single. And the reason, Pastor Tim, that he's still single is because he hasn't moved from give me to make me. He's still like, God, give me this perfect woman. Give me. If you're sick of being single, stop saying, God, give me a wife. God, give me a husband. Start praying this prayer. God, make me. Make me the kind of man that could 
I'm telling you, when, when, I, when I realize God make me, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to cross that off. <laughs> That's out of my league. Whoa, what was I even thinking there? It's like, God make me somebody that can not only attract a person like that, but hold a person like that, love a person like that, bring something great out of a person like that. God, send me a husband. No, no, what you say, God, make me the kind of wife that would raise up a great man of God who would be at emerge, who would, he'd be released into leading our home. Make me the kind of father. Make me the kind of mother. Make me the kind of brother. When, when Cain murdered Abel, God says to him, where, where, where's, your, where's, your, where, where's, your, where's your brother Abel? And Cain's like, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Wrong question. Eh. Yeah, you're meant to be your brother's keeper. I don't have any friends. Yeah, because you're saying, God, give me friends. The Bible says he who has friends must himself be friendly. If you will change the question, if you will change the question. Elisha says, where is the guy? And he strikes. He asks a question. And God shows up in response to that question. Can I just tell you this weekend, man, if you will come to emerge, and if you will come with the question, God, instead of God, give me breakthrough. God, give me freedom. God, give me deliverance. God, give me that house on the hill. God, give, if you will say, God, make me someone you can trust with prosperity. Make me somebody that you could trust with your millions and your billions. Make me somebody who's a great friend. Make me somebody who's a great warrior and a great leader. Make me the kind of husband my wife needs me to be. Make me the kind of father my sons need me to be. Make me the kind of father my daughters need me to be. If you come with a make me, everything will shift. Everything will shift. Can I just tell you, it's the questions that you're asking that determine your, your destiny. Number two, your stand is your strength. Your stand is your strength. The Bible says that, that there was a, a field full of lentils. I don't even like lentils. They're like little squash peas. And yet, when everyone else is fleeing from the Philistines, Shammah's like, hang on, this, this belongs to Israel. And they're like, yeah, but keep running, it's just lentils. Let me have the lentils. Who likes lentils? <laughs> and they're like, you know who likes lentils? He's like, who? Vegans. He <laughs> said, so what do you mean by vegan? You know, people, people who are soy boys, you know, don't go to Emerge. <laughs> He's like, what's a soy boy? You know, people eat tofu. What's tofu? Is it made out of toes? <laughs> no, just, just leave it, leave it. He's like, I'm not, he's like, no, I can't. I just, you guys go on, I'm, I'm, I'm. <sighs> he's stations, it's not about the lentils. It was never about the lentils. It was about the fact that, hang on, God gave us this territory. He said, like, I don't care what we're growing here. I don't care if it was full of weeds. I'm not giving it to the devil. I'm not giving it to the enemy. I'm not letting the devil to take my sleep. I'm not letting the devil take my peace. I'm not letting the devil take my... And the Bible says, the Bible says that when Shema stood in that field 
and defend it. He says, bring it on. There was, there was an entire army against one man. Against one man. And one man stood. His name Shema is an interesting name. Because God in the book of Ezekiel talks about the city of God. At the consummation of all things, God says, and then when I've, when I've put an end to sin and an end to death and an end to war, He says, the great city of God will come down and you'll know it because it'll be called Yahweh Shema. That'll be the title. In other words, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. People were running from the Philistines, but a man by the name of Shema stood by himself. And when he stood by himself, Shema is, means he is there. He is there. When he stood, God stood beside him. It didn't say that Shema brought a great victory. It says the Lord brought a great victory that day. Can I just tell you, when you cry out, where is the God of Elijah? God shows up. But men, when you make a stand, make a stand. How, how long are you going to struggle in that sin? How long are you going to have the secret stash? and the sec- How long are you going to live a double life? How long are you going to have the stress? How long are you going to have the duress? How long are you going to limp your way through? How long are you going to fake it till you make it? How long are you going to pretend? Take a stand. Take a stand. Because when you take a stand, God answers the Lord. He is there. The Lord, He is there. Shema is the Lord. He is there. God says, I'm here. He says, son, you're not alone in the battle. I'm fighting with you. And they brought about a great victory. In 2020, when everybody else was fleeing, we stood. We stood. They, I had overseers and, and people who said to me, you, 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 you can't get, you got to stop being political. You got to just, I'm like, well, what about, you know, like this abortion thing? But shh, don't, don't. We're not political. I'm like, it's not political, it's biblical. They sacrificed their children in the fire to Moloch. Why would I? And they're like, yeah, yeah. But as soon as, as soon as the world puts a claim on it that requires courage, you just, you just back off. You just, you just give it up. Now, obviously, obviously, you know, we, we get political. We do, you know, the, the march for reproductive rights. Knock yourself out. Barack Obama, you want to vote for Barack Obama, we'll cheer you on. You're voting for, you can't, Donald Trump, do you realize how controversial Donald Trump is? He's a racist. And, and he's, he's got to be the lousiest racist that ever existed. But people were giving me all this, and this is what they told me, they told me, they told me, if you stand there, you stand there, your, your speaking invitations will dry up. If you stand there, not only will your speaking invitations dry up, but people will leave your church. People will leave you. You don't want to, you don't want to, you, you, you got to stop with this, you know, abortion and, you know, protection of marriage and, you know, biblical morality and, and, and you know, standing for, for, for President Trump. You, 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 you just, you, you, you're going to kill your church. It's amazing. The same people that told me that, their churches, because they shrunk, because they stepped back, because they weren't saying anything, people were like, why, why, why would I come to your church? You're 
There's no difference between you and the world. There's no difference between you and... It's, I'm getting wet raining out here. And when I come in, I'm getting the same. Why would I, why would I come? So we now support them financially. Because we kept, we opened this building. They said to me, what are you doing? You're out of your ever-loving mind. It's 2020. The world is in lockdowns and shutdowns and you're going to open your largest camp. You're going to open your largest camp. And it blew out from a $16 million to a $26 million project. Just walk away. Just, you know, let, let, make it the bank's problem. I'm like, no, no, I, I, I signed. Carries my name. I gotta do business in this city. I gotta stand behind my word. I gotta stand in integrity. I got, yeah, but it's 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 gonna blow out by 10 million. The same God that sent us here, the same God that got us our first building, the same God. He has his arm is not short, he keeps. When you stand, he shows up. When you stand, when you take a stand, take a stand for your marriage. Take a stand for your business. Take a stand for your work. Take a stand for your... Oh man, I'm out of time. Oh no, oh Jesus. All right, last one, last one. Number three, number three, number three. Number three, I I like this one because nobody preaches this anymore. I don't know why we don't preach this anymore. But your virtue is your strength. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Every time the devil tricked me into sin, he told me how much fun it was. He's like, smoke this. I'm like, well, I, I really shouldn't. It's fun. It's fun. That was, that was fun. The Bible says that sin in the book of Hebrews talks about Moses. He said, Moses rather faced disdain than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I found that it made me happy for a moment, but it didn't make my problems go away. I found that something had to die. Those leaves had to die there. I'm smoking something dead, hoping it'll give me life. virtue is your strength. What's the difference between $50 heroin and $500 heroin? Purity. The more pure the heroin, Mike, Mike knows he, he's got a little side hustle going. It was pretty quick, wasn't it? It was very quick. I was, I was a little bit shocked. I'm like, how does he know that answer so quick? Hey, oh, Mikey Finn. Everybody make sure you're keeping an eye on old Mikey Finn. Oh, Mikey. He's been, he was in an environment where I preached this word, that's why. The devil knows that the more pure something is, the more valuable. The more pure, the more valuable. The devil works overtime to defile. 
devil works over time to get you into compromise. And he makes sin. He makes death. He's a genius marketer because the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death. It brings death. It'll bring death to your marriage, death to your mental health, death to your emotions, death to your heart, death to your life. And yet he markets it like, man, you want this. Man, I want me some death. Oh, hang on. No, no. He, he, he's a clever marketer. But he, he tries to defile because he knows if he can defile you, he can devalue you. The Bible says in 2 Kings 13, 11, about King Jehoash. It's King Jehoahash who comes to Elisha. Elisha has the anointing. He's carrying the mantle of Elijah. But it says this, it says, He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He wasn't a good king. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. But if you, if you, if you jump down to verse 17, in verse 17, he comes to Elisha. And he says to Elisha, the Syrians are attacking us. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen, the Syrians are attacking us. Elisha says, get a bow, some arrows, open the east window. And he opened the east window and he says, now shoot. And he shoots the arrow. As the arrow flies through the air, Elisha prophesies. And Elisha says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. In other words, as the arrow flew from the air, Elisha, that carried the anointing and the power of God, literally tilted the heavens in the favor of Joash. And then he looks to Joash, he says, now take the arrows and strike the ground. And he takes and he strikes three times and he quits. And the Bible says, the man of God, Elisha dies angry He's on his deathbed and he says, you should have struck. Why'd you strike only three times? You should have struck five or six. Then you would have defeated them. Now you're only gonna. If you go down to verse 21, I think it is. Verse 20, it says, Elisha died and they buried him and raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. What's a raiding band? The best description of a raiding band, if we can put the picture up, is just think wet bandits. Just think Marv and Harry. Hey, Marv, hey, Marv. Look at this guy. They, they would drive around neighborhoods looking for where there was nobody home, and they go and just help themselves to presents under the Christmas tree. That's what a raiding band was doing. These aren't good people. And they're not even Israelite people. They're Moabite people. But it says this in verse 21. So it was, as they were burying a man, one of the, one of the guys died. That suddenly they spied a band of raiders. So they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So a king who wears a crown, the king of Israel who wears a crown, who's in the audience of a living Elisha misses out on a miracle. But a guy up to no good who died, who just happens to roll down on top of the bones of Elisha. 
He comes into contact. He just touches. That tells me that God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of title. He's no respecter of position. He's no respecter of authority. A king with a crown misses a miracle and some guy who's not even saved, a sinner, rolls and touches the bones of Elisha and gets a resurrection miracle. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a window of strength, but you have not because you ask not. He struck three times because he had spiritual apathy, because you can't live wrong and then be blessed right. You can't live a wicked, immoral life and then somehow fight. He struck three times because he's church attendance, eh. men's prayer, eh. you know, when it's convenient, when I need something, I'll turn up to men's prayer. God's laws are just suggestions, it's optional. When your life's out of order, I'll finish with this. Many years ago, I was with my, my, my son, Ash, when he was about maybe four, and Ash loves soda. He loves, so we see one of those soda machines, and so, I, and he's just piping up, oh, Dad, I want to say, Dad, I want to say, all right. So I go over there, and I open my wallet, and I got a few $1 bills. So I put the dollar bill in, takes it. You know, he pushes the, you know, Coca-Cola, vanilla, Coke, pushes it, and then we're waiting, usually here, and then, you, you know, you get it. That's what, so we're waiting. And there's, there's no, you can't, there's no machinery moving. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm thinking, he's like, Dad, it took the money, didn't it? I'm like, oh my. So I get another dollar. He goes, do it again. So I put another dollar in. And, you know, he pushes the vanilla Coke. I said, well, hang on. Nothing happens. So I said, well, push the cherry Coke. So he pushes the cherry Coke, nothing. So then he, normal Coke, like he's hitting every button. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. There was a lady in the hallway and she comes up. And she goes, oh, look. And there was a sign that said, out of order. Out of order. It wasn't working. It wasn't working because I wasn't paying it. I was putting money in. I was paying it. I was pushing the right buttons. Because it was out of order, it wasn't releasing. If your life is out of order with God, the prayers, the why is nothing releasing? Because you're out of order. Because you're out of order. I don't like this word. God gave the ten commandments they're not the ten suggestions they're the ten commandments and the Bible says they're life giving they're life giving when you put God first it'll bring your life the ten commandments make God's laws are laws of life don't let the devil lie to you and say they're optional they're Old Testament you can live however you like and still if your life is out of order, that's why it's not working. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. This weekend it emerged, Pastor Matt. Man, can I just encourage you? Come, St. God.
things are broken, things that I'm putting more work in, more effort in. I feel like I'm pushing the right buttons, but I know I'm, my life's out of order. Get your life in order this weekend. Get your, change your question this weekend and say, God, give me. Come saying, God, make me. God, make me. Change the question. This weekend, make a decision. I'm not leaving. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Devil, you're not destroying my marriage. You're not destroying my legacy. My children, I may have come from a divorce time, but my children are not going to come from a divorce time. My children, I'm not, maybe you've already been divorced, but you knew another, I'm not going to leave a trail. I'm going to stay for this one. I'm going to fight for this one. You may be against, people may be saying, just leave, just get out. No, I'm t- going to take a stand. God turns up in the stand. God turns up in the stand. God turns up in the question. God turns up when our life comes back into water. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, tonight I surrender my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your laws of life. Today, any area where I'm out of order, I come back into alignment. Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sin. Heavenly Father, tonight, help me to ask heavenly questions so I can get heavenly answers and heavenly breakthroughs. Heavenly Father, tonight, help me to stand for righteousness, for truth. Help me to be courageous in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.